Welcome to Chaintech, the show and podcast focusing on the latest trends in supply chain, procurement, and logistic technology. My name is Max Henry from the Global Supply Chain Council, and together with my co-host and special guest, we explore the personalities, startups, innovators, and industry players driving disruption in supply chain. From early stage to unicorns, and from cutting-edge technology to the people using it to help drive more innovative, agile, and resilient supply chain around the world. This is Chantech. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Chantech. I'm your host, Max Henry, from the Global Supply Chain Council. And I'm joined today with my co-host, Sandeep uh, Chatterjee. Hi, Sandeep. How are you? Oh, hi, Max. Hi, Al. It's good to see you. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of the show as we continue to host some of the most interesting chain tech founders and discuss the quick rise of supply chain, logistic, and procurement technology across the APAC region, the Middle East, Europe, and around the world. As we jump into today's conversation, I want to make sure that you are also aware of a Chantech platform that we recently launched, and you can check it out at Chantech.net. And also, if you are interested to listen to the previous interviews that we have done already, you can go to Chantech.show. Today, we are joined by um, Omar El Cohen, who is the uh, co-founder and CEO at uh, Freterium. Hi, Omar. How are you? Hi, Max. Hi, Sandeep. Yeah, I'm okay. COO, not CEO, just <laughs> I don't want my co-founder to be CEO. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no problem. Okay, so uh, let's get started with, you know, we always start with uh, an interview with uh, your background and where you come from. So can you share with us uh, where you come from, where, you know, where you're based and, you know, how did you actually uh, grew and maybe uh, talk about also, you know, your, the field of study that you had here? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, uh, yeah, I was born in uh, in Morocco, Casablanca, 35 years ago. You, you have already been there, Max? Morocco? No. Not yet. I'm actually planning to go. So, uh, I'm more sorry. Asia guy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I realize lots of, uh, I mean, in, in Indonesia, people say, think that Morocco is in Middle East, but it's like in, in North Africa. So, most close to, to Spain, extreme west. Uh, it's a great country if you want to visit, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I studied in, in Morocco, like in a French school. So this is why I have this French accent a bit like you, Max. And, uh, I went to study engineering in, in France. So basically it was like two years of prep school where we were doing only like, uh, mathematics, uh, physics, uh, computer science for two years, like two years of intense, uh, studying. And then I joined the engineering school called Supelec. Now it's Central Supelec. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a great experience because it's where we, we learn how to be focused, you know, how to, to succeed. I mean, in an, in an exam without knowing what the teacher looks like, you know. So it's, uh, <laughs> the two first year were very difficult. And then the, the two other year in engineering school is more about uh, discovering life, uh, learning a lot of, a lot of things. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just, just after my graduation, I decided to go back to Morocco because I had my internship in uh, McKinsey company as a consultant. Uh, it was great experience. Uh, I learned a lot. Uh, it's high standards. Unfortunately, at the end, they didn't want, they didn't want me as a, as a full-time employee because maybe I was not uh, working uh, hard enough. <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, I mean, uh, it's, um, 
I'm kind of guy who, who, I mean, when I like something, I can work hard. I can spend like countless hours working on something. But if I don't like something, I just, just don't do it. And uh, so, yeah, so just after that, I, I wanted to, I discovered logistics world because I had no idea what, what was logistics because I joined OCP. It's a fertilizer company. You have to know that uh, phosphate is our oil in Morocco. Unfortunately, it's not the same value than oil. But it's uh, one of the three most important uh, nutrients in 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 fertilizers, and Morocco is the worldwide leader of uh, phosphate-based fertilizers. So I I worked there on logistics strategy, which was more export. Ninety-nine percent of flows were export, so I was working on on chartering vessels to uh, U.S., South America, India, Europe, everywhere in the world. And, um, and yeah, so that was very interesting. I, I worked there for three years. Uh, I learned a lot and, uh, and then I wanted to be free. Uh, I always wanted to be like independent and uh, have my own business. So I left OCP to be like a shipping broker. So I was a broker on my own. I had the, so I discovered entrepreneurship because, uh, you know, I, I thought that I was going to leave the company and start having new customers and, uh, you know, succeeding from day one but it was not the case so the first year was tough but then i started to have customers uh in nigeria uh, middle east uh, morocco for chartering vessels for them for like cement steel uh, products and uh and yeah but it was like a brokerage company so but i always wanted to build something i mean to to try to build a product i'm first fan of even if it's completely i mean has nothing to do in terms of industry but of airbnb First thing I, I, I first time I booked uh, an apartment on Airbnb, I, I was amazed. So today we see we think like it's obvious, you know, but um, I mean building something like that is not easy, and it, I think that it took them a lot of a lot of time. So I wanted to build something on logistic field, and uh, yeah, that was the time uh, where I okay. mean, uh, so, yeah. So you were a logistic broker, and so. At, at which stage, what happened? Uh, you know, how, what actually triggered you to start, uh, or to, you know, with your co-founder, Fetayamia? Uh, typically, I, I, I tried in the beginning uh, a startup that has nothing to do with logistics. It was about food delivery, uh, but I, I didn't like it. So, I mean, uh, I just stopped it three months after. And uh, then it was like this mood of everybody wanted to build the Uber for freight. So the okay. freight marketplace... Yeah. And uh, so I had a look at it and had a look at what was going on in other countries. To be, personally, I didn't, I never believed in the Uber for freight. Uh, I think it's uh, too complex to, to be built. Maybe it can be another step of uh, of uh, of a growth, let's say, process. But uh, providing a marketplace where people can just go and book their their trucks, I, I never believed in that because you know that eighty to ninety percent of the Transport flow are regular flows done by regular companies that deal with that they have their own fleet or work with contracted carriers, courier company. So yeah, we but we we, we noticed that those companies in Morocco because we, we we met a lot of those companies they didn't have any software to manage the transport operations uh, or the delivery. Uh, so we start we asked ourselves why uh, and. Uh, so we looked at the software that <laughs> existed. So you have like SAP, Oracle. As you know, it's very expensive. It took a lot of time to, to implement. So you can see results only after one year and a half or something. And even the technologies are old. So we said, okay, there is something to do here. Uh, so we build the product. We met like more than a hundred companies, uh, distributors, uh, 3PL, 
manufacturer, all, the, all those type of company, also uh, transporters. And we kept iterating for like, uh, for like two years. Yeah, fast iteration of building, testing. Okay. was like in end, end, end 2018, yeah. So if you can tell us uh, what exactly a company does, maybe in two or three sentences, what it does. What we do today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what we do today is that we help world-class distributors be leaders in their market by improving the quality of service, uh, being the most competitive, and also uh, improve their team efficiency, uh, build the company where people would like to work. Uh, this is what we do today. This is our our focus. But if we look at what, what when we started in the beginning, you know, Morocco is not a big market. So if you want to grow in this type of market, you have to do you have to target a lot of different companies. Mm-hmm. And so we targeted manufacturers like like maybe uh, uh, steel producers or cements and uh, 3PA distributors and retailers and all those kind of companies. But we needed to grow. So we, we just, when a company wanted to work with us, we just say, okay, we'll do it. And we'll find out later how we do it. So, um, we, we managed in 2021 to go from like two customers to 20 enterprise, uh, mid enterprise level customers. So mm-hmm. multiply by 10, but it was, there were like, like four or five type of different customers. And uh, it was tough for the product team, so we had to deliver. Um, and uh, and we realized at certain point that uh, if we want to build something great, very like be great at what we do, we have to focus on a certain type of company. So we realized that the distributors. I mean, there was like a there is like a product market fit between distributors mm-hmm. and our product, and uh, we are trying to focus on, on it right now. Yeah. Okay, so, so it's can a, you it's give a software? It's yeah, a software it, yeah. which actually. Uh, for the distributor market, right? Uh, if I understand it right. So we target distributors, but it's a delivery management software or transport management software. It depends on how you want to look at it. So it, it will it will go from a planning automation in one click, you know, with different constraints of uh, size, uh, volume, mm-hmm. type of fleet that you have, uh, time slots, etc. A smart dispatch, so choose the right uh, carrier or the right vehicle. Then you have the track and trace uh, to mm-hmm. track uh, the, the operation, the statues, the documents. And then all about like uh, freight invoicing, uh, cash management also when you do like uh, cash on delivery, uh, and uh, analytics. So it's like a full product. So that will cover like main distributors pain points. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the difference in our product, it's, it's, it's not like a, it's built like a platform. So we connect companies. So for example, if you have like a GPL company that have, uh, uh, that distribute products for on behalf of others. So for example, Nike or Adidas, they will not afford the warehouse in all the countries they want to go. So we, they work with distributors. So those GPL, yes. they will be able to, to connect the ecosystem, so the the shippers, the carriers, the customers, uh, and share the information uh, uh, with everybody in real time. Okay. So this, I mean, the, the product has a strong network effect. Omar, can you could you clarify what you mean by uh, you know distributors? Because it could be importers, it could be wholesalers, some of them no. could be retailers as well. So what are you? What is a distributor for you in a typical Asian country, for example? I think that there are three types of distributors. Uh, there are manufacturers that will distribute their own products. Uh, so typically, usually it's mostly food industries. You have a local food industry uh, processing and you, you distribute your own product because you want to control the distribution. You have the third party logistic distribution. So, so, so it's a company that will have a warehouse and store the products of other 
uh, companies and then do the delivery, uh, domestic delivery. We're talking about domestic distribution, national distribution. And then you have wholesalers. Wholesalers, they buy the product and uh, then they distribute it in, in a certain area. So th- th- those companies, all of them, they, I mean, they, this, let's say the di- distribution models are more and more complex. Uh, as we saw with the COVID, uh, you have different channels. So you have the modern trade, the traditional trade, uh, where you have lots of small shops. You have the e-commerce. Uh, sometimes also you have to send to di- smaller wholesalers in certain areas. And mm-hmm. uh, today, distributors has to be, uh, I mean, has to, needs to have the, the agility to adapt himself to the market situations. And for example, in COVID, we saw, for example, in India, that the e-commerce boomed a lot during the COVID. But now, just that, so lots of companies decided, so we, we need to do e-commerce uh, because, I mean, we want the products to be, to be consumed by our customers. So, and uh, after that, we see e-commerce decreasing because people want to go out, they want to go to shopping. So we give the tool, the, let's say the logistic operating system to those distribution companies to be able to perform, to grow, uh, and, uh, and be competitive. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, if I look at it, there are, whatever you're doing, there are a lot of companies which are actually doing a similar thing. So hmm. again, I'm not getting into direct comparison, but want to understand yeah. that how do you differentiate? Like what is something very, very unique about your product, which others uh, don't offer? Because I know SAP Oracle very well established, but you are uh, supporting the middle and uh, middle segment, but even in the middle segment, there are other yeah. companies which are doing a similar thing. So how I think the strongest, mm-hmm. yeah, I think the ahead. strongest competition is Excel. It's not other companies because when we go, we talk to companies in front of us, they do, they use Excel. So uh, you have a lot of companies trying to do it. They try to, they, they have a different product. They do it differently. They target maybe different markets. They have different pricing models. We are not, we are, we are looking at them, of course, uh, to see what they do. We have to, I mean, we are not trying to compare ourselves. We, we, we are try- what we want is when we put this product in front of our ICP, that the decision mm-hmm. maker and the user say, oh, I want this product, I want to use it. And the competition is Excel, phone calls, WhatsApp. Uh, this is what we are seeing. So it's not like we are competing with like Uber in the industry or Amazon and we are trying to, to get like a niche in the market. No, everything is... It's still to be done in, in, in this industry. So we are trying personally to be, to be the best version of ourselves. So we try to focus on a certain type of ICP. We try to mm-hmm. build the best product for those companies, uh, even the marketing, the sales model, everything. And yeah, I mean, it's, there is, a, there is a room for everybody. I mean, logistics yeah. world is, is, is big. So yeah. But Omar, if you had to pick two or three companies that you think are, Kind of competing with Ethereum. Well, who are they? Uh, you have, you have like companies like in, in India, uh, I think one called uh, Locus or Get Far Eye or, uh, yeah, mainly those companies. Uh, maybe, I mean, they were created a bit before us, maybe like uh, one or two, two or three years before. Uh, we are smaller because I mean, the, I mean, the, just we are like 30 people, 30 engineers in the team. And I think there are 10 times more than us. But yeah, okay. um, when we target the market, we don't, we, we don't feel like 
it's it's the competition the, the problem mm-hmm. you know we feel like if you if you're able to convince someone to use your product then you win he's it, it, not choosing between two different products it's very rare that you we've right. you know, in front of this you, yeah. you're spending a lot of time in indonesia omar so you know do you see any company uh, companies offering similar solutions in a place like indonesia in 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 indonesia no i mean those companies they are also targeting southeast asia of course yeah, so yeah. uh Uh, it, uh, like uh, 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 Indonesian startup that is doing that, no. Most of the logistics startup they do they do digital freight forwarding. This is what they do, yeah. and a lot of them are now understanding that it's it's very difficult to sustain this business model and to grow because the more you grow, the, the problems grow exponentially. So what they try to do is to use this software uh, and propose it to to the customers. But it's different. It's different business. Uh, develop a SaaS a SaaS company and uh, provide freight transport is completely different businesses. Uh, it's something we never do. We never okay. compete with our customers. So this is our identity. We are purely software SaaS uh, company and uh, and yeah. Okay. So if you yeah and follow up question um, again. You know, you have a good product, but it's always very difficult to get the first customer. And once you get it, yeah. So, uh, how did you go about it? Like, what are the challenges you faced, and uh, then going forward, how did you move from there? I mean, w- when we started, I mean, we had we had absolutely no idea of uh, uh, how difficult it was to build a product that is consistent, strong, stable. So we started and. Uh, To gain our first customers, of course, you need your first fans that believe in you, that want to help you. So this is what we did. And we are lucky because we had our two first customers just before the COVID, just before the lockdown. It was like small subscription. I mean, let's say maybe like $1,500 per month for every customer. That's, it's not bad. Huh? And that's, uh, it's, uh, so it was those two first customers. And then there was a lockdown. And uh, during the lockdown, let's say that hopefully those customers continue to use the product. But to sign new customers was very difficult because everybody was focusing on not having COVID cases in their warehouses and the company. So we worked on the product. We worked on it uh, for like one year. I also became a developer. And um, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's it's a process of learning. It's not one thing that you discover that, yeah. That we have, of course, we are strong at one feature mainly the planning automation. It's something that when we show it to the customers uh, or to the prospect, they say, oh, this is something great. And we always, uh, we have a company, someone in the, like a great company in, in Dubai, in UAE. Uh, he said, I've been like targeted by uh, 20 plus uh, software company and I've never used what you're showing me, to me right now. So it's encouraging, you know. But uh, it's not, yeah, the, that, that's the process. You have to market well your product. You have to sell it well, you know, not to be yeah. product pictures. You have to, to sh- because it's not, they're not like buying a product. They are buying that. I mean, it's a partnership with the company. It's not a, a software they can use for one, two years and then go a change because the cost of changing the software is, is, is very high. So it's also about build, building the trust, uh, having the right business model that decreases the financial risk for the company in front of you, have a good product that works and uh, yeah, and do it uh, progressively, you know, not, we, we try to do it progressively, take a small scope, a scope uh, and uh-huh. then show the customer that it's working, adding value. And then we, 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 we upsell or we, we increase the scope. I think that's the strategy. We, we don't, there is no upfront cost for us because when, uh-huh. when we have a company in front of us that have a good fit, 
we know that if they use a product, they will like it. And it's, it's, if, if they spend time sharing with you the data and testing the product, it's because they're interested. Otherwise they will not do it. Yeah. So yeah, that's different kind of things that we are trying to, to hack, let's say the growth and, and reduce the, the, the risk on the, on the prospect side. Omar, I'm still a bit confused about what Fretarium uh, delivers. So maybe we can uh, tell us, you know, very, very quickly what you offer. And maybe you, you mentioned that planning automation uh, mm-hmm. feature, which uh, seems to be, you know, really uh, hot with your customers. So mm-hmm. maybe t- t- take us through maybe, you know, some of your key uh, features of your solution. Okay, so let's take an example of a distributor who will distribute uh, electronics, you know, through uh, uh, modern trade, the traditional trade, so big store, traditional trade, e-commerce. So this guy, every every day, the logistics team, they receive orders. The orders should be delivered in a certain location with different weight, with different volume, with different time slots, with uh, sometimes you have some addresses that cannot receive a certain type of vehicle because of the, the road is too small. Okay. Okay. So you have companies that will manage maybe 100, 200, 500, maybe more orders per day. And this planification today, they do it manually. So it means that you will go on Excel and they will try to group certain orders and uh, find, uh, let, yeah, and to, to try to optimize the cost and to match with the constraint. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time. There are, I mean, the, the risk of mistake is, is very high. And if you have like one or two new orders, you know, at the, before the, uh, before you took your decision, then you have to, to, to do your program from the beginning. So this is planning automation, you know, going from orders to bookings to trucks. It can be like own trucks, uh, uh, um, outsource trucks or, or queries. So this is the planning automation with Fraterium in one click. It will take one, two, three minutes, depending on number of orders. They will have the perfect, um, the perfect planning. And for every route, you will have the exact routing. So for example, today for a driver that is managing the, I mean, he will go deliver 10 stops. So what you will have, you will have like invoices in paper with addresses written in, uh, yeah, I mean, he has to read the address. So he has to build his own route before loading the, 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 the cargo. And then he has to load the cargo. You know, it's uh, for, for, uh, first in, last out. So uh, it's very complex for them. So it's, uh, it's, uh, this is the planning automation. So going from orders to routes uh, that are going to be shared with the drivers. Okay. Yeah. But Omar, if you are an electronic uh, distributor, uh, you mm-hmm. are outsourcing probably most of the time your logistic to uh, a delivery or a free PL. Is this delivery planning supposed to be done by you or by your free PL partner? It depends. It depends on, on the model and the pricing that you will have with the TPL. Okay. So it, 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 they can pay per delivery, uh, and uh, this the TPL will be in charge of building the most competitive uh, uh, planning in order yeah. to because they will be able sometimes to to to, to merge. I mean to 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 mix products of different customers to be able to be more competitive. And you have some companies that will send the planning directly. We you know with the uh, you will. Please book me one truck that will do this uh, ten uh, deliveries. Okay. So it depends. Right. It depends. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And you feel that mm. you know some the distributor will actually take ownership of that planning for most of the time instead of relying to on their pre free PL to do it. I think it's what strong distributors do. Yeah, we have okay. uh, companies in, in Morocco that are distributing customer goods, and this is what they do. Uh, they, I mean, 
we all know today everything is about focus. So if you are an electronic company or FMCG, you would focus on your marketing, on your sales, not on logistics. It's a, it's it's a different yeah. Uh, yeah. job. Yeah. And when you are when you are TPL or distributors that will that want to have a new customers, and you go and you say, listen. I have this tool. I will give you real-time information. I will give you transparency about how I will create the orders and how I optimize them. You will have access to real uh, documents in real time in order for you to be able to invoice your own customers. I will share with you some impact-driven data to help you take the right decisions. So, yeah, you're different from the competition. You're a step ahead of the competition, and this is what we are offering, yeah. Okay, uh, coming to your product, again, it's a SaaS model, and uh, if we understand... Um, today companies have multiple softwares. No company runs just one software. So how easy uh, it is for them to integrate with your product? Because integration is a challenge what we have been seeing over mm. the years. So how yeah, integra- is Integration for- is complex for SAP and Oracle because when you have on-premise uh, software. But uh, I mean, our software is full API access. Uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, we, we have customers that have it integrated with Oracle, uh, SAP, uh, and it's in both direction, you know, to send the orders when they are ready to be delivered and then to get the information to update the, the, the ERP or the WV, WMS when the order is, is, uh, is delivered. Yeah. So it's, it's, for us in our side, it's very easy because it's only API and, mm-hmm. uh, so sometimes we help our customers. Some, usually they have an IT team to, to integrate, you know, to manage the WMS and they know how to do, to do it. Yeah. The most important is to understand the problem is not the, the, the technicity in the integration is uh, what information you share at, at what moment. Uh, I think this is Absolutely. the most uh, important. Yeah. And is there any intelligence built? Because if I look at, uh, you said mention of Farai. Farai actually they have an AI model built for the last mile. So do you have it or do you plan to have that in your product as well? Yeah, yeah. But the, the, the algorithm behind the planning automation is the AI, a meta heuristic algorithm that is, uh, that is running. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Now we have a very strong team. Uh, we have one of, the, one of the best uh, guys in AI and AI and, uh, and the root optimization. Our team, we are very happy to, uh, with that. Yeah. We, we already have this. But I tell you, the, the the most important now, I think, is how to convince customers to take this risk of using your product in in, yeah. in a longer term uh, basis. I think that's far. I, for example, they focus on more on uh, uh, e-commerce and the uh, courier company that have a lot of orders and they do like big enterprise contracts. Uh, this is not what we want to do. Uh, we mm-hmm. want to have, uh, we are kind of impatient. We, and we want impatient customers that when they want to use a the product, they can use it tomorrow and it's ready. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, many different ways of, of, of having, of, of looking at it. And the market is big. That's, that's the good point. Yeah. We, we, we can all succeed. So Omar, you started in Morocco. Uh, you even mm-hmm. expanded into Africa and the Middle East. And now you're spending more time in Southeast Asia. Why Southeast Asia? Why did you pick Indonesia as your as your key market to you know explore and, and promote your solutions? Yeah. Yeah. So just in the beginning, we were, we were targeting, of course, Africa and Middle East because when you're in Morocco, you try. I mean, it's a reflex, or you try to 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 to, to reach the countries that are close to you and that are similar culturally. But we, we tried to have a data driven approach. Of we run some marketing campaigns all over the world. And uh, we had meetings with companies all over the world, and uh, we saw that biggest potential was in 
let's say you have India, Middle East, and uh, Pakistan, also Middle East, and, and Southeast Asia. So uh, we looked also at our competition, I mean, the, the competition, as, as you call it, and, and we know that they are succeeding in those kind of markets. So, yeah, my co-founder is in Dubai right now, targeting mostly Middle East and India. And I just, it's it's new for us, you know, we decided this one month ago so for me to come to, to Jakarta. It's a big country, so to more than 250 million people. Uh, so a lot of logistics issues. And when there are, where there are logistic issues, we can have value. So this is why we are here, yeah. And it's a fast-growing also economy, I think, with India and uh, uh, Indonesia. That, I mean, it's two fastest-growing economies today, yeah. Why have you not focused in developing a new solution into Africa? Because it's also a big continent. There's a mm. booming uh, uh, e-commerce and logistic mm. uh, market as well. There are for sure a number of distributors there. Uh, Africa is just not right for you? In Africa, it's a big continent and it's very, it's, it's like small countries in terms of population. You have Nigeria, you have South Africa and, and Kenya maybe. We, it's just data. We, we met a lot of companies there and maybe they were not ready yet to, to use the software. We think that uh, Asia, uh, we see, I mean, that Asia market is much more uh, mature to use uh, software today. And uh, as a company, we want to, we want to, to, to find our, our right market. This is what data is telling us. This is what, yeah. Okay. So, but, so, but Africa is, yeah. can be, can be a, can be a target after that, but it will be mostly Nigeria, you know, focus on one country or South Africa. Okay. Yeah. okay. So coming to your company again, let's talk about, uh, so when you started a company, did you use your own money or what we call bootstrap it or did you raise funds? You went to a VC and if you mm-hmm. had a VC, what is your current funding stage? Yeah, no, we started with our own uh, earnings with my co-founder. We took it to, to we're going to take us six months to sign first customer. So it took like uh, almost two years. So it was tough in the beginning. And uh, hope uh, we had some business angels that invested in us like uh, 50k dollar uh, after like one year or something, and uh, uh, they helped us a lot. And then there was like a, a, a Moroccan program called Two One Two Founders with the CDG Invest and the that was a game changer for us because they invested like uh, 350k uh, a dollar and uh, mm-hmm. for us it helped us hire people and also have more uh, i mean yeah have a strongest team and has a strongest product so in 2021 uh, as i told you we were able to go from two almost, uh, two to 20 customers and we joined the y combinator program in silicon valley so it was the third time we applied this time we were we were accepted for us it was a game changer because you know we're a startup in Morocco and there are not too many success stories in Morocco unfortunately we are, we are trying to, <laughs> to to be that one that will inspire the others and the, the fact when you go you say to your team and to your customers I'm Y Combinator I'm backed by Y Combinator then it saves a lot of time you know lots of talking convincing them or motivating them and uh, yeah, after this Y Combinator, we we met a lot of. We had this demo day where we met a lot of VCs, and uh, well, we we had a lot of refusals. Uh, lots of people saying, "Ah, oh, we love what you do, but we don't trust Morocco. It's a good market, and you didn't prove that you can do something elsewhere." And finally, we found the best, the best, uh, the best. I think uh, VC. We, I mean, the, those are the ones who really try to understand the product, what we were, what was uh, our like difference and uh, what value we were bringing to our customers. So we raised like $4 million. It was led by Partech Ventures, 
uh, it's uh, French. I mean, I think it's originally French, but they are everywhere in the world. So, yeah. And we oh, have I... also Flexport. Flexport is the biggest uh, logistics startup in the world. And uh, mm-hmm. in two two meetings of 15 minutes, they in- invested a small ticket. But uh, it's also proof that, uh, I mean, they believe in us and it, it's great to have mm-hmm. them on board. Yeah. Mm. Just a, a, actually, you know, the first one would tell us, tells us that they've been invested by Flexport. I'm curious to actually understand why Flexport being, uh, as well, a, a, you know, a major supply chain tech company with all the funding. I think they raised what, uh, close to a billion, uh, dollar, right? Uh, is investing into those small companies. I mean, what are they trying to do by investing into all those different startups? Are they trying to get information, intelligence about the competition and then, uh, or are they, you know, what is their, their, their main motive? The main, I mean, they, they, they started before. So they started in 2010 or 2012. Yeah. Uh, it's digital freight forwarding for containers. They grow very fast. Uh, they have very charismatic founder. And uh, no, they just said, we love what you do, guys. Uh, uh, and also maybe they, they, they saw us like they were when they did YC uh, 10 years ago. And uh, so they... they yeah, they, they saw our demo in the, yeah, in the demo, YC demo day. And, and they liked us. We don't have that much interactions w- with them, but we, we, we keep, we keep following up and uh, we share knowledge. Uh, you know, when you have a company of thousand people, it's very difficult to innovate and to change models. So it's, uh, this is what Google is doing. It's, it's easier to invest in a, in a lot of small startup, let's say, compared to what, because it's a, it's a unicorn and uh, hope that uh, one of those teams will, uh, we found something and we'll be able to grow. So in a different, uh, a complementary market, I think I, I'm, if, if I was there. Yeah. But you know, there are, there, there are a lot of cases of, uh, you know, that Sandeep of, of big software company would be investing into smaller yeah. startup, uh, just in order to kind of know what they are doing and then eventually kill them, you know, Absolutely. uh, um, when they become mm. too big. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> no, this is not absolutely. First, we are not competing with them and okay. uh, they don't know, uh, uh, I mean, almost anything about what we are doing. You know, we're just sharing with them uh, small reports as we are sharing with all our investors. So no, no, it's not, it's not that type of. <laughs> can, can we talk? Oh, it's not, it's, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can we talk quickly about your revenue model and how do you actually charge your customers, Omar? Yeah. Sorry. Just, I have this. Um, uh, yes, so it's, uh, it's a subscription mode depending on the, so we have like uh, two packages. We have a start package, uh, scale and, and grow depending on number of features that, uh, of the, of the feature. And, uh, we have two pricing models. It's, uh, there is one per vehicle. Uh, so it's mainly for the companies that own vehicles. They want to pay like, uh, they want to control what they pay by vehicle. And then we have a, a pricing per, per order, per transport orders. Uh, so it will go from 20 cents dollar per order to 0.8, depending on the features that you want, that you have. Okay. And uh, coming to your company, I, I mean, uh, remember you mentioned there are 30 engineers. So how big is your company? Like how many people are they located globally or how is it? Uh, we are uh, well almost 30. Uh, we are full remote company. So we used to be 100% in Morocco, but now it's less than 50%. So we have people in uh, Canarian Islands, uh, Ukraine, uh, uh, have uh, in Dubai, Kenya, Nigeria. We just hired someone in Pakistan. Uh, we are hiring someone in Indonesia. 
and mm-hmm. we are looking for people in India. <laughs> we are looking to find the right people. You don't, we don't want to rush. So yeah, we are just moving all the, everything to, to this, to this area here. Yeah. And, uh, that's cool. Is it challenging for you to run a team remotely? I mean, obviously the pandemic has been helping and uh, people got used of all those calls and, and be able to manage virtually, uh, teams. But what, you know, it, is it, is it, how challenging it is for you to manage a, a remote team? Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure I would, I would have been able to do it without uh, the, some hires that we had. You know, we had, had a new CTO who joined the team who was, uh, we knew that perfectly. And, uh, he just showed us what we do. We needed tools. So we have a lot of tools, uh, <laughs> that we use. Uh, well, use Slack for internal chatting, click up, all these tasks. And, uh, so it's, it's tools. It's, it's a culture and also like a mindset of people. They're not everywhere. Uh, not everyone can work uh, remotely and be efficient. So you need to hire the right people that believe in, uh, in what you are doing. And they're also passionate about what you're doing. So yeah, it's a combination of multi, Factors that uh, make it successful or no, but today it's like uh, obvious. Uh, you would have told me this like one year ago. I would say oh, it's not possible. I need to see people in the office. <laughs> now I never go to the office. You know, I just, just want to go uh, stay home and focus on what I'm doing. But. No, so typically you, with their yeah. with their customers, they want you to be in front of you. So I think COVID changed all that. When yeah, when they can. So when, when you're in the same area, they want to see you. Yeah. And they want to, they want to, to sit with you and talk for many hours in meetings. But uh, yeah, of course, it's also, it's, it's business of trust and relation. It's not uh, just uh, tech and software. And, uh, so th- this is why we are trying to, 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 to hire people in the main countries where we are targeting is to be closer to our customers, to be able to go sit with the logistics team, discuss about uh, constraints. No, it's not like, they, you know, to, to make the software work, uh, you, you, there are lots of data that you need to, 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 to set up the software. And some of the data is not written somewhere. You have to discuss with the team just to make them realize that when they optimize the planning, there are some constraints that are taken into account that are not written somewhere. So we are helping them. And it's, it's, it's true that it's easier when you are face to face with someone. But, okay. Do you but, get some, do you get some pushback sometimes from customer when, uh, when they realize that you actually don't have an office and they cannot uh, come and visit and see your team? Uh, no, that, that, that we, we didn't have no. it. They asked, they asked, do you have someone in India or in Indonesia? Yeah. Of course, but okay. pushback, I would not say pushback. It's questions that they ask. And uh, yeah, but uh, when they, when you, they start using the product and it's different, you know, if you're, if you are in a sales mode where you try to sell with, to, to sell with the demo and the, and the slides, of course, they will ask a lot of questions. But if you put the product in, in their hands and they're able to use it and see it, then it's a different type of discussions that you have. So, okay. So what is the economic impact? How can I use it? How can I improve uh, my, uh, my logistics? And then you start getting very interesting. Uh, discussions and uh, they forget about uh, where you are and also yeah. some of them they don't want to go and, and see you you know they, they have lots of meetings and they want to be sitting in their office uh, somewhere <laughs> and uh, you know be efficient yeah mm. so uh coming to uh, again if you look at it you had a dream and you went ahead and dream is something which doesn't let you sleep so what is your biggest challenge right now and again what keeps you awake like what is your dream what do you want to do further uh, the, the biggest challenge today is um, 
So we used to be a startup where the, the founders were making almost all the decisions because we didn't have enough resources. Uh, it was uh, tough. We didn't have like a, uh, a players level, so C level players in the team. And then you have to switch from that to a company where you have people that are much greater than you and what they do. Much better. And uh, how to build a mindset and process and organization where everybody will be able to innovate and uh, uh, to propose sometimes stupid ideas. And uh, because this is, it's, 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 if you manage to build something like that, then it's just a matter of time and the company will uh, will succeed. And uh, for me, it's the main challenge. Um, so, it's, of course, it's a change management. We are, we are using some methodologies like Google uh, using like OKR methodology. Uh, we are trying, we just, uh, I just posted on LinkedIn the culture code of, of the company. And, uh, yeah, this, this is what, uh, I mean, it's challenging for me today. Uh, okay. It's a good and, challenge. Uh, yeah. As a founder and co-founder, I know a lot of times what you have seen is you will always have smart people in the team. And, uh, sometimes your ideas may be challenged. Like in your organization, how do you handle it? Because I have seen a lot of people to take it personally and it doesn't go the right way. So how do you handle it? Because there will always be smarter people in your team. Hmm. But first, we try not to hire people that take things personally. Uh, okay. But it's <laughs> so if, if if you're able to do it 50% of the time, then okay, you you solve 50% of the of the problem. Uh, and then also you have to show the example. You know, when, when I have uh, an idea that is not good, I just say uh, my my idea was not good, but it's okay. It's it's how it works. And, um, and and also there are some things also about uh, about YC. You know, I just I forgot to tell you this, but I, I remember it was the, the the first meeting. You know, there was this mentor in front of like 400 startups, and the guy he just told those guys, "I will tell you something. Um, we know your secret. We know your startup is uh, is broken. We know uh, it's a big chaos inside, and you change your mind every day." Uh, but he said, it's normal. That's what startups are. If, if it's not the case, it's me that you're not innovating enough, you know. So I just <laughs> send a vocal note to the team. Guys, it's normal what you are doing. We're on the right path. You know, we're on the right way. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it's learning. Okay. It's, a, it's a process mentality. There, there is no one secret formula that mm-hmm. can apply, uh, you know. Okay. So how do you see your company, Fritarium, or your solution in three to five years from now? Yeah, from three to five years. Uh, what I learned, this, the most important thing I learned is that we don't control uh, those kinds of things. Of course, we want our company to succeed, to be unicorn, to be great, and uh, to have the best culture code. So this is what you can control is the values, is the values and uh, what you want to do, what you don't want to do. As I told you, we want to be a software company for transport management. Uh, this is our identity. We will not change that. Or maybe we do another company, but no, this company is, is a transport management for, yeah. But, um, the, then, I mean, the way you do it and the way you can achieve that depends on the market you have in front of you. It depends on your customers. And, uh, so this is what we are trying to do. We are trying to build the best product for the customers that want to work with us and then find this model to grow. So are we going to be a digital, uh, marketplace, you know? Uh, uh, software for like a Uber for freight, and maybe, maybe, or uh, maybe we'll do in four, five years we'll do warehouse management software, or maybe we don't know exactly. Uh, but we are here, we are in front of the market, and the market decides what we do. And we, this is uh, 
this is our how we see it. Yeah. Now we have an audience, which is a global audience, and a lot of uh, you will have people who want to uh, have a startup. So, as a founder and a co-founder, so what is your advice to somebody who wants to find uh, to start a new company? Because a lot of people come with these questions. What again? Uh, so, if there is some three or four advices you want to give to the new founders, what will that be? That, that that already have a company that want to start a company. So if they, if they, they don't start, have, they, the want company, to, they want to they want to start a company. Yeah, first do it. Don't think too much. You know, <laughs> don't think too much. Just start. You know, this is a, when I started. I mean, I had this, this idea. First thing I called the developers. Said, we have this this idea. Let's start. So, and it's 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 a process. First, you need to do something that you that you love. Or let's <laughs> say, I think it's. Uh, sometimes obvious but yeah uh, because it's tough it takes time a lot of focus a lot of sacrifice so choose something that you you love and that you believe in and uh, then just do and try as many things as you can the fastest possible because we, we, we try to think you know we think we are smart and then we can have a great idea and take, build something for six months on one year and just and then just put it in front of the market and it will succeed and it will become a unicorn it's not the way it works unfortunately fortunately there are many things that the human brain cannot see and the only way to see it is to iterate Quickly, you know, you have an ID, do a sales pitch and put it in front of a, of a customer and see his reaction and uh, act like you, you, the product was ready and then get data and then start building like this, iterating if you want to succeed faster. Otherwise, it will take a lot of time and energy and uh, may fail. Okay. This so is as the we, main advice. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Omar. Uh, so as we mm-hmm. end the interview, I want to ask you some quick fire questions. Uh, so here, here they are. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Window or aisle? Oh, window. Can you please name a, a movie that you've seen recently that just comes to your mind that you like? A Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe. It's my favorite okay. movie. Yeah. What is your favorite sandwich? Chicken mayonnaise. Just saying. <laughs> What's your most used app on your phone? WhatsApp. What is your favorite tool to build your company? You talked about it. Is it Slack or is it something it's else? Slack. It's Slack. Okay. Slack changed my life, to be honest. It's, uh, it's, 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 oh, I, I can answer a bit longer, but it's Slack. <laughs> it's easier because I can have access to everything that is said in all the meetings that are going on because everything is written. So I just open Slack and I know everything that's happening in the company. So it's, yeah, it's great. Mm. Okay. Describe the rest of your life in five words. Uh, traveler. Business traveler. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you very much, Omar, for, you know, being with us today. It was great, uh, you know, understanding, uh, finally what Fretarium is doing. And uh, I hope you, you understood this time. Huh? Yeah. 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 I understand. Yeah. It's clear now. It's a lot more clear. So we wish you all the best in your uh, international expansion in the Middle East and uh, across Asia as well. I think it's going to be very exciting. Thank you, Sandeep, also for being with us today. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Max.